Hey guys, welcome back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Bilotti. Today's episode is a real treat. It's another one of those fun, uplifting stories from history, something that a lot of you guys probably have never heard of that will really just make your day, I hope. It's really interesting, honestly, the stuff that I dug up about today's topic, which is high heels. It's been a hot second since I've really donned high heels in their full glory. I feel like I've had maybe a heeled boot here and there this past year, but you know how things have been just absolutely crazy with, you know, not leaving the house and all. So a lot of us have been, you know, trading our Louboutins for slippers and that's totally fine. So I thought that, you know, I would just kind of let us relive our heel wearing club going days today with the origin of the high heel. Where did they come from? Why do we subject ourselves to pain for the sake of fashion? And should it surprise us that the first known high heels were worn by men, not women? So I have a fun story in store for you guys today. First, I do want to give a little update on my life, I guess. I think I should maybe do that every episode here and there. Be like, hey guys, so I'm not just a random voice on the internet. I have a life. I have a persona. So I'm actually still sitting here in the Airbnb. I've been slowly updating you guys on my apartment progress. So I went in today and checked it out and looks like they have started painting. So they patched everything up and now they're going to start painting. They're going to put the floor back in or I think they're getting new flooring or something of that nature. There's no hardwood on my floor right now. So slowly but surely getting things back to how they were, if not better, honestly, because before the walls were a little bit like you can tell where people had had things in the walls and then spackled them up and then painted and all that. So honestly, it's going to be better than before. And that's great news. So heading back to the apartment, I think next week. So I'm in this Airbnb for another week. It's been interesting getting another taste of what it felt like in New York to live alone. It's definitely quiet around here because, you know, back in my other apartment, we have our foster dog, Shyla, who I talked about on Instagram last week, and then our cat and two other girls and, you know, people constantly in and out, the workers and whatnot. So there's a lot of, a lot of buzz over there. And over here, it's like, you can hear a pin drop. So it's definitely been different. Uh, but you know, it's just kind of reminding me of how it feels to be fully alone versus with people. And during a pandemic, it's been important to me to be around as many people as I physically can without, you know, of course, all the stuff. So my two roommates have been lovely to live with for the past I guess it's been like six months now. So living alone here in the Airbnb has been interesting to say the least, but I've gotten a lot of work done. I can definitely, you know, hear myself think and I don't have any distractions really. It's been really just, you know, it's so, so night and day, but I'm very excited to head back to the Airbnb or no, head back to the apartment from the Airbnb next week. So that's a little update. Overall, nothing really has changed. We do have our, our foster dog, Shyla, who I've been going back and forth to hang out with her. She's the most precious dog, like a mix of all these different breeds, gorgeous and also very shy. She's been kind of a challenge, but a great one. So we've loved having her and that's been an update, I guess. Nothing really else has changed, I guess. Maybe I'm getting somewhat of a tan. I've been outside a little bit. Maybe that's something. Um, But otherwise, I've just been, you know, doing a lot of work, doing a lot of client work, a lot of freelance uh, brand kits. That's what I do. My other half of my life, I guess, that isn't social media stuff is still working in social media to some capacity, but helping people with their branding. So I've been doing a lot of that, a lot of podcast artwork designs, things like that. And I'm working on this super secret 
project uh, where I, oh, I can't even say it. I can't even say anymore because I will totally spoil it. So I'm not even going to say a single other word except for that it's great and it's coming soon. So yeah, those are my life updates. Really not too much going on over here. So I've had a lot of time to look into the history of various things that I'm interested in. And one of those things being the origin of the high heel. What first kind of brought forth this concept into my mind was I had just rewatched uh, Sex and the City, the movie. Like, I don't even know when this was, maybe like a week ago. And I jotted down in my notes, uh, you know, where did the high heel come from? Because, you know, that iconic scene where Carrie walks into that spacious pre-war massive apartment with those huge windows that big bought for them and she walks into the closet after some drama whatnot that was the closet was literally bigger than my uh freaking apartment my my studio apartment in Greenwich Village that I had for a year uh like a year ago wow it's time has flown seriously so I, I guess I moved in there yeah so this was like last year had this apartment and the closet in the movie is literally the size of my entire 500 square foot apartment in West Village uh Greenwich Village West Village whatever you want to call it so interesting. But anyway, that scene, so we're watching that scene. Vig is standing there holding a pair of blue Manolo heels and she runs towards him. It's like this dramatic scene. And then he proposes to her with a literal pair of Manolos, which is the most Carrie thing that we've ever seen because we know how Carrie loves her heels. She has literally $40,000 worth of shoes sitting in her Manhattan apartment for crying out loud. And then the, the whole episode with the, the Manolos being stolen from the party and all that stuff. So we know Carrie loves her shoes, so it's very iconic. But I was thinking about that, you know, because we just had this episode we did on the history of the diamond industry, why we propose with diamond rings. And I was like, wait a second, like, you know, big proposes with high heels. You know, what is the the reason for the high heel? Why Why do we wear these, like, painful torture devices that look so gorgeous and make your legs look bomb. Like, why do we subject ourselves to that? And so then I went down a rabbit hole and yeah, the rest is history. But ever since I was watching that scene for the first time in 2008, so like the first time I saw that was 2008 and I was just 13 at the time when Carrie first, you know, was a figment of my, my mind and my aspirations for life. She definitely really contributed to my want and need to move to New York City. So thank you, Carrie. That was a great kick in the butt to get out of my home state of Maryland to see something new, you know. But despite the fact that, you know, now I realize how, you know, I think I just have to say this, how messed up Big and Carrie that relationship really was and all that, that scene in Sex and the City, you know, really made me believe that heels, high heels, had this magic quality to them, you know? And I guess you can also pay homage to, you know, Dorothy in Wizard of Oz with the red heels and clicking them together three times or whatever. Is it three times? I need to rewatch that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Anywho, there's a lot of different references in pop culture and movies and history that really have just instilled this, this symbol. Like it's a symbol now, wearing high heels, a symbol of, you know, of, power in women, a symbol of class, of elegance, of all of these different things. And it just did not start like that. And it's so interesting, the full story. I, you know, back, I'm trying to remember my first time that I bought my first pair of heels. Like, when was that? I'm assuming it was around 2000, I think it was 2009, because I had this uh, farewell dance in the eighth grade. It was like, I don't know if everyone had this, but at least here in the US, in Maryland, where I was from, 
where I am from, we had this farewell dance in the eighth grade where eighth graders said farewell to middle school, hello, high school, you know, like most exciting time of our lives when we're all awkward and just have the worst acne. <laughs> like that was literally story of my life. And I remember going shopping with my mom for my farewell dress and getting these little silk heels, like very small heel, but still a heel. Nonetheless, they were like champagne colored silk heels that were definitely made for like, I don't know, like flower girls to wear at weddings. That was definitely their, their main purpose. Like I've not worn a pair of like silk heels since that day, but I wore those at the age of 14 to my farewell dance. I remember thinking, wow, I am definitely like, I am Carrie Bradshaw in these shoes. Don't know why I was watching Sex and the City so young, but you know, I mean, I guess 14 is like not that young. I was posting YouTube videos at 14, but anywho, that was my first experience with heels and my first experience getting a high heel blister. That is the day you become a woman when you get your first high heel blister. <laughs> then you realize the true meaning of the phrase beauty is pain. Am I right, ladies? <laughs> the things we do for a good outfit. And so almost a decade after I wore my very first pair, Harry Styles stepped out onto the Met Gala pink carpet in high-heeled boots and people went nuts for it. Even more people went nuts, went wild for the dresses that he just wore in the pages of Vogue back in November. We all remember this kind of floating through our social media feeds, people loving it, people hating it, you know? There was like two ends of a spectrum in terms of reaction to Harry's you know, heels and dresses he wore in Vogue, like, you know, people questioning his manliness, wondering where all the real men have gone. We definitely remember that drama. And that further instilled in me like this wonder of, you know, where did heels come from? And when I first caught wind of the idea that men had started it, I thought to myself, well, that's just peculiar then that people are, have such a hard time with Harry Styles, the love of my life, wearing heels in Vogue. So I, you know, that just further made me want to look into this. But, you know, what the haters don't get were the people that said, you know, where did all the real men go to Harry wearing dresses? Heaven forbid, it's really going to disrupt your life that Harry Styles wants to wear dresses in Vogue. Come on, get with the program. You know, but what the haters don't get, the piece of the story that they're not hearing is this. The first high heel was worn by a man or a lot of men rather. Today, we will be exploring some more things that history books just haven't told us. Where did the high heel come from and why did they become such a feminine staple? When did men stop wearing them? Where did this all come from? <laughs> that and more in today's episode of Thick and Thin. So I asked you guys on Instagram for some more standout moments in pop culture, in old movies, current movies, etc., that showcase high heels and create some sort of, you know, symbol out of them. I had no idea that there were so many, you know, the only one that really stuck out in my mind when I was thinking about it, sitting down and, you know, sketching out the idea for this episode was the, the Blue Manolos and Carrie, Carrie Bradshaw. But some other examples that I totally forgot about is, uh, well, of course, the iconic glass slipper from Cinderella. That's an iconic scene when Andy walks into Vogue in the Chanel high-heeled boots and knocks Emily's socks off. That scene then also the other scene from uh, another iconic scene from Wolf of Wall Street when Margot Robbie puts her hot pink heel into Leonardo DiCaprio's face. We can't forget the bend and snap scenes from Legally Blonde. We also have Breakfast at Tiffany's, the, the heeled alligator shoes under the bed. 
so many freaking heel references. There's just too many to count, and most of these involve women. But it hasn't always been that way, and so we'll get into the true origin of the high heel right here, right now. But before I do that, I just want to read one quote, one standout quote from Harry Styles from that Vogue article in November of 2020. The article that I swooned over, the article that I loved, because I just, Harry Styles can do no wrong in my book. Everything he's done has just been like, you know, besides maybe dating Olivia Wilde, because, well, that's still speculation, but that did like shatter my heart into a gazillion pieces. He can still do no wrong. I still, I forgive him. It's fine that he's off the market again. You know, it's fine. We'll be, we'll be okay, guys. But anyway, back in that article in November, there was this really great quote. He was speaking to um, English fashion designer, journalist, no fashion, <laughs> fashion journalist. He's not a fashion. Well, I don't know actually, but he's a fashion journalist based on Google. His name is Hamish Bowles and they were in London and they were talking and Harry said this, he said, you can never be overdressed. There's no such thing. The people that I looked up to in music, Prince, David Bowie, Elvis, Freddie Mercury, Elton John, they're such showmen. As a kid, it was completely mind-blowing. Now I'll put on something that feels really flamboyant and I don't feel crazy wearing it. I think if you get something that you feel amazing in, it's like a superhero outfit. Clothes are just there to have fun and experiment with and play with. What's really exciting is that all of these lines are just kind of crumbling away. When you take away, there's clothes for men and there's clothes for women. Once you remove any barriers, obviously you open up the arena in which you can play. I'll go into shops sometimes and I just find myself looking at the women's clothes thinking they're amazing. It's like anything. Anytime you're putting barriers up in your own life, you're just limiting yourself. There's so much joy to be had in playing with clothes. I've never really thought too much about what it means. It just becomes this extended part of creating something. Iconic quote. I love it. I just... I just love him so much more now, even more than what I thought was possible. So I wonder if Harry, I wonder if he knows that the sorts of fashion choices that he gravitates towards, so like the flowy fabrics, the lace, the heels, actually have super deep roots extended all the way back into the 10th century in Western Asia, specifically in Persia. So I will say though, before I dive into that, there is some loose evidence. I found one source to suggest that they may have started over in Egypt some other places in the ancient world, you know, worn by people like butchers to avoid covering their feet in blood that was often on the ground of their shops, things like that. But from what I found, the trend really started full force over in Persia. And so according to this arts and culture article that I'll have linked in our show notes, high heels were first worn in the 10th century as a way for men in the Persian cavalry to keep their shoes snug in their horseback riding stirrups. They made it easier for them to shoot their arrows and stay put in the stirrups with their heels firmly hooked in. It helped with stability. <laughs> How crazy that the roots of heels were likely, you know, it's likely that these super manly men, as we call them, or as some call them now, I, I'm saying that with air quotes, believe me, sarcastic air quotes, but like the manliest military men of their time wore high heels. It's crazy how time changes the, the connotations surrounding things like heels, you know, objects, things that we wear. It's crazy. I'm going to get into that. But so basically there's this antique dish that was discovered, like a total like soup kind of dish bowl situation that was discovered in Iran that depicts a soldier from the time period of around 874 to 1005 AD. So a long freaking time ago. And the soldier is on horseback. 
wielding a sword in one hand, holding onto his horse with the other. And on his feet, he has a high-heeled shoe. And from close examination, I would say it was about a two to three inch heel. And that, my friends, is most likely why, you know, all the cowboy boots that you see that are like legit cowboy boots and not just the ones that people wear to day drinks and things in Southern schools and whatnot, like legit horseback riding boots have a substantial heel, even on men's shoes. So, you know, that's, that's definitely something to chew on here. It's definitely continued to this day, but If you think about it, also, the fact that high-heeled shoes, you know, only gained more and more popularity as the years went on from this initial, you know, 10th century invention makes total sense because, again, like we've discussed in a few previous episodes, you know, wealth was important to showcase. It still kind of is to this day, people flaunting their designer things and, you know, it's something that humans definitely gravitate towards doing. And so the fact that people had these high-heeled boots for horseback riding and, you know, the fact it just meant that they, they have the wealth to have horses. And so it was definitely a status symbol, a wealth symbol. And the trend totally spread because at the end of the 17th century, so a bit later on, the Persian Shah sent his soldiers over to Russia, Germany, and Spain, all these places. And they were there to forge these relations with foreign leaders as, you know, political, military tactics, things like that. And through being there and kind of, you know, walking in all macho with these heeled boots, you know, getting, jumping off their horse and walking on in there, definitely, you know, people gave them the up down and were like, ooh, okay, that's interesting. That's cool. And ultimately they influenced these people of power to bring boots and heeled boots into their wardrobes, like specifically heeled boots. Like if you see photos, Google some photos, they are like the sorts of boots that you'll find on Revolve, like, you know, heeled boots, like maybe not stilettos, but they were like definite, like separated from like their heels. Okay. Like no matter what people say. And so Europeans with money were soon depicted in, you know, the various paintings that we see today wearing heels in this time period. And they became a symbol of military power in Europe. And something I found that was interesting to me was that men of this period in 17th century in Europe really liked emphasizing the look and shape of their legs. And I found this fact very, very interesting (laughs) Mostly because I feel like guys nowadays are often saying like, oh, I like when girls wear heels because it makes their legs look good or like we're convinced that our legs look better in heels and it's very much like a girl thing now to think that way. But, you know, back in this time period, men loved the look of a nice shapely brawny thigh and leg. And again, also at this time, girls were, you know, women were totally covered up with skirts and such. They didn't even have the option to show off their legs if they wanted to. And men, meanwhile, had these like tight little, little leggings, little like spandex underneath their dresses they wore. Like look up any old painting, you'll notice the guys are wearing literal skirts and tights and heels, like what people wear, girls wear oftentimes today. It's crazy. Anyway, so they really love their shapely thighs, shapely calves, and heels only emphasize them even more. And so the men loved that. And so in the 17th century, this was what men were after, literally. You know, they wore dresses. They had the, it's just so crazy how roles have totally reversed and history really just reinvents itself. It's so crazy. And so one notable heel wearer was Louis XIV. He was very much known for wearing lots of heels, lots of flashy outfits. And because of him, wearing heels became even more of a status symbol. According to Louis, the higher and the redder in color 
of the heel, the more powerful the person was who was wearing said heel. And the reason for the red was likely because red, you know, red dye was really expensive to manufacture and make, uh, well, mostly hand make. And so, you know, hand dyeing, all that stuff. And so that was why, likely why the red color was, you know, added into his list of specifications for his heels. At this time, heels symbolized so many things. You know, they symbolized wealth and, you know, how well off you are, how, you know, your political standing, your regal standing, because they were, you know, as they are today, pretty difficult to walk in. You know, they were deemed impractical for doing a lot of manual labor, for walking distances on foot, really doing anything that required moving. And so it really did make sense that noble people would wear them and it would be practical for them because, you know, it just kind of screams, I don't do anything for myself. Like that is what the trend really said at the time. And so a lot of noble people took to wearing heels. But in 1670, Louis, who, like I said, was so passionate about his heels, about his flashy outfits, about always making a splash with what he was wearing, he passed a literal edict that limited wearing heels to only nobility. It was literally made a crime to wear heels if you weren't a noble person, if you weren't deemed special enough to wear them. Like he would literally give people permission to wear heels, specifically red heels. They were very hard for noble people to be allowed to wear at the time because of this. Isn't that just crazy? And apparently the ones that were in his good graces that were wearing the red heels would always, you know, it was kind of like wearing red bottomed Louboutins. Isn't that interesting? It's like, maybe, I don't know why I should have looked into why Louboutins are red. Maybe that's my next, you know, the bottom of them. That's maybe my next topic. But at the time, you know, back in this time period, you know, the noblemen would often jump to have their, you know, picture painted wearing red heels. Like they would always point out the fact that their heels were red because it meant like, oh yeah, I'm cool with Louis the Fourteenth. Like I'm cool with the, you know, the king. So I got to wear these red heels. I'm gonna show everybody. It's like taking a picture with a famous person or something. It's like being like, look, like I am in the good graces of this person. They know, they know I exist. That sort of thing. So it became cool to get your, your picture painted, commissioned, wearing red heels as a noble person. So of course it's no secret that he loved the look of them, he loved the style, all that stuff, but Louis XIV, I have a suspicion there's another reason why he loved wearing heels so much. So he, Louis XIV, stood at just 5 feet 4 inches and wearing the 2 to 5 inch wooden heels that he used to wear with ribbons and jewels made him look taller. (laughs) Definitely Definitely one of the shorter guys out there, and he was made to be about, I don't know, I guess like five, seven to six feet tall wearing his heels, so it definitely helped him out there as well. That's just a suspicion I have. I don't think height was maybe that important back then. That's also another episode I could probably make, you know? Why do guys, why are guys so obsessed with, you know, lying about their age on dating apps these days? Like, why is it so important? Things like that. Why do women say, like, oh, if he's not six feet tall, I'm, you know, I'm not even going to look at him, things like that. Why is it so important? So that would be another good episode to look into. But I digress. So Elizabeth Semelhack is an author and curator at a shoe museum in Toronto. And she's done a few different exhibits on various things like Chinese foot binding, things like that. And she said in this article posted by How Stuff Works, I love How Stuff Works, that at first the European women who wore heels were the butt of ridicule, which is honestly not too surprising. I feel like any trendsetter, any woman trendsetter in early times were always deemed like she's, you know, I don't know, like, just all the words that people would describe 
that weren't good. I can't even think of a single one, even after watching Bridgerton. But like, you know, they're an outcast. They're a social outcast. They're unmarriable. They're old maids forever. Things like that. Like they were always the butt of ridicule, as Elizabeth said. And this makes sense, you know, in the same way that women were confined to dresses for so many years in history and were also ridiculed when they wore manly pants, when they wore trousers before it was acceptable. You know, I'm thinking Joe from Little Women who preferred wearing pants and she was super tomboyish and it was looked down upon. It was considered odd to want to dress like a man. And so ironically, women who wanted to wear heels were those who wanted to go for a more masculine look. Like, isn't that so interesting to hear like nowadays that back in the day, like it was like manly to want to wear a heeled boot. I'm so not over this. You know, it's so funny to learn that at first it was looked down upon to wear heels as a woman, but not if you were a man. And now today it's like, oh, Harry Styles is wearing heels. Oh, Kanye West is wearing heels. David Bowie, they all must be gay. Or, you know, people jump to conclusions like crazy and like just they paint them to be this, just someone that they maybe aren't. And they don't get an option to say like, oh, well, maybe I just wanted to wear heels. Like maybe I just wanted this look like, you know, it's just so, so taboo these days. It's so interesting, like the gender norms and things like that. It's just so fascinating today. But anyway, so in the 18th century, women finally got a taste, a little taste of high heels. Those who could afford them, that is their heels slowly got higher and higher. And this is around the time where small feet were considered the most beautiful. And for whatever reason, having tiny feet as a woman just symbolized beauty so just the front sliver of a high heel, you know, the little, little toe poking out of a dress made their feet look infinitely smaller than when they were wearing slippers or other shoes that just, you know, kind of fanned their feet out and made them look bigger. So women slowly snuck in heels as many times as they could, as often as they could. They were still kind of considered manly at the time. And so it definitely was in small doses. At first they were tiny little baby heels and slowly got higher and higher and around 1730, men's heels started dipping lower and lower because as women started rocking them and wearing them out, men worried that they would look too feminine if they continued. Classic men thinking like, oh no, I could even look remotely feminine with these things on, so I can't wear them because what would the boys think? Like, it's so classic. And so Catherine de Medici was actually the first documented woman to wear a high-heeled shoe. This was back in 1533 when she wore hers but like I just said, you know, it wasn't until 18th century when it became mostly acceptable. So she wore them, Catherine wore them, because she wanted to appear taller on her wedding day. But after her death, the trend, at least with women, totally died out. It didn't really go anywhere. It took a lot longer from that point on to become widely acceptable. So eventually, like I said, they became more and more acceptable for women in the 1800s, little by little. And then fast forward... To 1954, this was the year when the first stiletto was released. According to the New York Post, shoe designer Roger Vivier, who worked for Dior, of course, is the one that we credit with a stiletto heel. He invented it. He used plastic to create a super slender heel of, quote, incredible strength, which he called the needle. This is according to New York Post. So for years and years and years in all of those regal times, you know, in the 17th, 18th century, heels were mostly made out of wood because it was, I guess, just the go-to material. It was likely pretty cheap and easy to cover with things and whatnot. And of course, plastic didn't exist for a very long time. So, you know, people started getting creative as the 1900s started and people got into it and started experimenting. Now I believe there's some shoes made with like 
different metals. Like that's why they're so heavy. And so although the trend of men wearing heels started to die out little by little and then kind of all at once, men have never stopped wearing heels since they were first imagined. Like they, they never fully stopped, just largely like trend-wise it died out. But, you know, we can thank Chelsea boots. We can thank cowboy boots, the Beatles, for keeping the trend alive to some extent. And so the Beatles, you know, they kept the the heels on men's spirit alive with their Cuban heeled boots on stage. They all got custom ones. And, you know, people like David Bowie, other rock icons also wore their heeled boots with style. They kept the trend going. They inspired people like Harry Styles and like a lot of uh, musicians today. But I just think it's funny. It's so interesting how the reason for men in heels shifted so dramatically over time. You know, at first they signaled wealth, power, nobility. Only some could wear them. They were often, you know, bedazzled and jeweled and, you know, men wore them with their stockings and dresses and things. And they were a military symbol. And now, or I guess closer to now, so like the 1960s and, you know, beyond, even now still, but that was kind of when it started to shift a little bit. Men wearing heels were the the rocker types, you know, trying to take a crack at illuminating gender norms and keeping things fluid, you know? It's just so interesting how how it's now changed. You know, there's this Christian Louboutin quote that has been floating around that I saw. He said this, I think, back in 2012. He said, a man in heels, that's a prosthesis. So like prosthetics, like, like making him taller, things like that. But I sympathize. The men need help. But a man in heels is ridiculous. That's what he said. A man in heels is ridiculous. Kind of a backhanded sort of comment, I think. Like, you know, the men need help, but also a man in heels is ridiculous. Like, it's so interesting. I wonder what Harry would think about that. Like, what would Harry Styles think about that? He probably, I don't even know. But I wonder if Christian Louboutin would, like, jump at the opportunity of, you know, clothing Harry Styles on a red carpet here or there. It's just so interesting. Maybe his views have changed. You know, people do change over time. Their views change and they become more open-minded, things like that. So I wonder, I have to look into what he would say nowadays, Christian Louboutin. But yeah, it's just so funny. I loved this story. I loved reading about this. I loved hearing about it. It's just so funny how walking in heels and wearing heels has become, you know, in our lives, and I'm speaking as a woman here, it's become this rite of passage for women. You know, wearing heels to me when I was younger symbolized womanhood. It symbolized class, sophistication, things like that. Because, you know, Carrie and all these people that I looked up to when I was younger, just, you know, walked around New York City, hailed cabs with these heels on, you know, strutted down runways and didn't fall. And, you know, I grew up watching um, like, you know, Top Model, America's Next Top Model all the time. And I always marveled at how these women, they were just clearly, just so clearly women to me. And I was sitting there as a girl, you know, watching these women strut the red carpet, or whatever, the the catwalk, I guess, was what they were strutting in these wild outfits with these massive shoes that were impossibly high, but also impossibly thin. And it just symbolized just adulthood to me, womanhood to me. They lift women up, but they also ironically slow us down, unless you're, you know, a larger than life superhero scaling buildings in them, because I've seen that quite a few times in Marvel movies, things like that. I'm just absolutely marveled at it you know there's always like those badass scenes where the the actress is seen like running in heels like you know wielding a gun in heels things like that just you know the bond girls things like that there's always these like larger than life characters badass characters wearing heels and doing crazy feats in heels and so I always thought of them as these things that you know are powerful 
and yet when I try to wear them, I feel like I'm a baby goat trying to walk for the first time. Like (laughs) I will never forget. I think I told you guys this like two or three episodes ago, but I had this particularly painful experience with heels on New Year's Eve of, so it was 2019 New Year's Eve into 2020, first day of 2020. And that alone, that horrible heel experience, I was like hobbling onto the subway. I couldn't walk correctly again after, you know, even a week after the incident of wearing these crazy heels. They were beautiful, by the way, but they just hurt me to no end. And I I like to think that that kind of gave me a taste of what 2020 was about to be like, like just, you know, crippling. Um, So anyway, yeah, heels, they, you know, they lift us up, they slow us down, they make us cry, but they also look amazing. They, They make an outfit. They are a double-edged sword, truly. They're something that not all of us women have adopted. You know, not everyone, you know, needs to wear heels. Not everyone wants to wear heels. Totally fine. You know, I have quite a few friends that hate wearing heels, never wear heels. They feel like they might be too tall for heels. They feel like they're too, you know, they, I don't know. There's all these things that, you know, hold people back from wearing them. I definitely feel powerful on them. I think that they're fun, maybe like for a few hours, and then I'm like, Ow, I need to take these off. I much prefer, I've like definitely gravitated towards more of like a block heel over time. I don't think I've ever actually owned a pair of like stilettos, like the really, really thin, I'm picturing like the the OG, like really thin stiletto. I don't think I've ever actually owned a pair of those because I do value comfort over many things. I really do. Um, so I've, I've really gone for like the, the thicker block heel recently or recently is like the last time I wore heels, which is probably, I don't even know when. But also heeled booties have been amazing. Like my, those were my saving grace in college. Just this, I had this one pair of disgusting black frat boots that I would wear everywhere. Like they were the very classic cut of booty. I don't know. It was like a huge trend at my school at Elon. So I don't know if they like made their rounds to every school, but there was like this very distinct shoe that every girl at my school had. And they, I don't even know where we got these from, probably like Amazon or something, but they were like those throwaway shoes. And ever since then, I've really adopted like the heeled boot look. But anyway... <laughs> Who would have thought, who would have thought that when I'm walking down the street, you know, screaming of pain with my high heels on New Year's Day of 2020, that men were the ones who have invented them? You know, honestly, makes sense. (laughs) Anyway, I'm just going to be done shitting on men in this episode. I've done way too much of it. So anyway, it's all a matter of personal preference. Again, wear heels, don't wear heels, do what you freaking want with your body. That's my motto always. But yeah, that is the true origin of heels. So if you ever are given a hard time by a man for wearing them or people say you're overdressed, I don't know, any number of things, you know, you throw the story at them, tell them to listen to this episode of Thick and Thin and really have their mind blown because it's really shocked me, all of this information. So anyway, thanks for listening, guys. I hope you guys had a great time listening to this episode in particular. I had a really fun time making it. And I'm really looking forward to next week's episode. So anyways, have a great rest of your day and I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. 
CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.